Grab your Bibles. Let's pray. We're going to go into the Word. Um, get your Bibles and go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Just, I want to just share a brief message with you. We have communion on this Sunday, and so we won't be before you long. I just want to encourage you um, this morning as we kind of go forward to allow God to be God. So let's pray, and then I have a small video that I want to share with you by way of introduction, and then we're going to allow God to speak. So if you're in Hebrews chapter 11, keep your finger there as a placeholder. Holder. Let us pray, and then let's move forward. Lord, we thank you for you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done, how you continue to bless, how you continue to move in our midst. So, God, as we stand before this congregation this morning, God, just for the few minutes that I have, my prayer, my goal is that we would be motivated to press on, God, motivated to continue to, to, to keep the faith and keep the charge. So we give ourselves to you, Lord, that you may be glorified. May someone that God does here at least get wind to what you're doing and say, man, I'm excited about the God that these people serve. So we give ourselves to you, Lord. You be glorified. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Pay attention to the screen just for a little while, just for a little video that we have by way of introduction, then we're going to come back and share the message with you this morning. Amen. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, 
we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Amen, 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 amen. This year, this year marks the 50th anniversary since the death of that civil rights leader, Dr. Martin Luther King. And what's striking about that is the vision he had for a promised land, a different place, is still alive and is still in existence today because of the faith that he had in God and what he believed God could do. I don't know about you, but, but um, I don't know what it's like to have to stand in those shoes. As a leader, sometimes I process, what would it have been like to have to stand in the shoes of that gentleman where when you look out across the United States at the particular time, racism, hatred, and then he has to say, I have a word from God that America needs to be different. And then with nothing but faith, step out on a limb and preach a message for a brighter tomorrow and a message of change. Imagine how difficult that was. Come on, y'all. Imagine how tough it was that the people that were around him, to hear him talk about a brighter tomorrow, yet their current circumstance is dictating that tomorrow would not change. But he can see change because God said it. Come on, are you hearing me? Imagine what it was like to have to stand there and to have your inner circle say to you, Martin, this thing will probably never happen. Martin, people are not going to change. Hatred is ingrained deep within the lives of people. Imagine when he shared that dream with Mahalia Jackson herself, some of the comments they probably share with him. But I think I'm confident in saying today that some of the freedoms we enjoy were the result of a dream. Come on, y'all over 50 years ago, and it's still going on and it's still alive today. My favorite formula for my doctoral thesis says change is possible, let's see. When there's dissatisfaction, which existed at that particular point in time, a clearly defined vision for a brighter tomorrow, and then the F is first step. What are we going to do next? And all of that must be greater than the level of resistance for change to happen. So when you heard Dr. King say, I have a dream that my four little children are going to join hands together, black children and white children together. I have this dream. What he was doing was casting a vision to lower resistance so change can happen. Does that make sense? Because the one thing that can impede change is resistance to change. If the resistance at high is high, it makes it extremely difficult for change to happen. So today, for a few moments, I want to take a moment, like Dr. King, if I may, to talk about lowering resistance to change. And so I want to look at Hebrews 11 to talk just for a few moments about faith for the vision, because I think, just like this challenge that Dr. King had, Restoration Christian Fellowship has a vision that it needs to realize. And sometimes when you're standing in the moment, it's difficult to see change tomorrow. Come on, y'all. 
But I want to encourage us and, and challenge us to press on with that. So look with me and, and, and so that God could move and have his way. Look with me as we talk to this, and then I'm going to read um, this text. Go with Hebrew chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And let me read verses 1 through 12, and then we'll talk through it and just share a few pointers with you to encourage you. Hebrews 11.1 opens up by saying, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. And verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, verse 4 said, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gift, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, it says, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as being pleased, as having pleased God. Verse 6 is one of my favorite verses because it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Come on, say that with me. Say, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For listen to this. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So by faith, the Bible says, Noah being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household, and by this he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to that place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. My God, my God, my God. By faith, he went out to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundation, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, it says, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Did anybody in here know that God is faithful? Verse 12 says, therefore from one man and from him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as is innumerable uh, grains of, as the innumerable grains of sands of the seashore. Here's an idea I want you all to take away with as we talk about this message just for the next few minutes. Faith is trust in God when we can't see our way through. Faith is trust in God when we can't see our way through. I like to say it this way conversely. If you can see it, it doesn't require faith because you know how to do it. And then you do it, and then you can pat yourself on the back for having done it because you didn't need God because you knew how to do it. Faith is when you don't know, come on, I need somebody in here. When, when you don't know how it's going to get done. You don't know what God's going to do. But all you have is a word from God that God says step out because he has a picture for a brighter tomorrow, a picture for something that's going to be different, a picture for change. And then even though you can't see your way through, nothing stops and nothing impedes you 
from doing and going because you have a word from the Lord. When I look at that, I was pressed to go to that video as we celebrate 50 years this year of the death of Dr. King, that the only thing that kept him going was a vision he had from God and the faith he had in God because everything around him said he was crazy. I wish I had somebody in here. Everything around him said he was crazy. But if you listen to the speech in its, entire, in its entirety, he gets to the place where he says, by this faith, by this faith, God's going to do. By this faith, God's going to do what God's going to do, and God's going to accomplish what God said he's going to accomplish. When we look at the book of Hebrews in the 11th chapter, we see a brief picture of all the patriarchs in the Bible and I cannot help but see, uh, in my terms, a bunch of crazy individuals that all they had was a word from the Lord. That's all they had to go on. And they had a chance. They had a challenge. They had, the, they, they had to stand in front of the people of God and say, thus saith the Lord, even though the people had never seen what the speaker or the prophet or the person was talking about. If I were to stick with my illustration with Dr. King, nobody in that day and age knew what equality looked like. But he was talking about it. Are you with me? Because God had said it. Come on, are you with me? Nobody knew what the end of injustices looked like. But he could preach a message because he had a word from God. And I want to say to you today, as people of God, we have the same challenge. God has given this house a vision to reach a roar for Christ. He's given this house a ministry, and, 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 and it's difficult to see it because we don't know what it looks like. I want to say to you this morning, it takes faith to realize the vision. Come on, are you hearing me? Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, it takes faith to realize the vision. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and say, other neighbor. It takes faith to realize the vision. Now, I'm going to share with you four simple things, and I uh, just want to kind of press through this because we have to do communion this, this, this morning. And, and I think these are principles that are just transferable to your own life, to your ministry, to your place of work, to wherever you find yourself. I just find it relevant that as we, as a ministry, have to make adjustment, have to go through change to get to where God would have us to do. I want to tell you this morning, it takes another level of faith because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Are you with me? Hebrews 11 opens up by saying, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. Four quick things I want to share with you, number one. Number one, if we're going to realize, and I use the word God-sized intentionally, any God-sized vision, faith is necessary to realize what God wants done. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? You cannot do what God wants done in this earth realm without faith. Does that make sense? Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this text and when I read these first um, 12 verses, and I look at the individuals that's mentioned here, it says, by faith, verse 4, Abraham offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. It says here in the next verse, verse 5, it says, by faith, Enoch was taken, taken up that he should not see death. Verse 7 says, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen. I like that. 
verse 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed God when he was called to go out to a place. Are you hearing this? Then it says, By faith, down to the next verse, um, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past age. Now, let me talk a few minutes about these individuals because I, I want you to hear this. God will not ask you to do stuff for him that you can do in your own power. Oh, come on, talk to me this morning. God, God won't, God, l let me just back up a little bit. God is the type of God that he won't share his glory with us in the earth realm. And, and I need you to hear me say that God has a vision, God has a plan, God has a goal to restore the world to himself. So when God calls us to do things, it calls us to have this level of belief, this level of trust in him that if God doesn't do it, it will not get done, okay? Imagine for a moment, if you were, if you will, let's look at one of the illustrants in, in the text, Noah. Imagine now you are Noah in the early days of the creation of the earth. And you're just about happy living your life. God comes, and that passage says in the book of Genesis that Noah found favor with God. So God, what that's really saying in English is God just reached down and chose him, okay? Now imagine this. Here's Noah living his life, and understand with me, it had never rained on the earth. Never rained. And then God comes and God says, Noah, I want you to build an ark because I'm going to destroy the world with rain. Number one, if I'm Noah, I'm saying to God, what's that? Come on, y'all. What's rain? What, are you, what, because I don't know what rain is. And, and, and God, maybe he explained to him, maybe he did whatever he needs to do to get Noah to believe what God was going to do. But here's the point I want y'all to get. No one now has the charge to go out into his community, to go out into the world and preach a gospel to try to reclaim people to a relationship with God because God is sick of the world and he's about to destroy it with rain. Can somebody say crazy? Yeah, you get it. You get it. I mean, he's preaching a gospel, and everybody's looking at him like, no, what you talking about? No, where'd you get that from? Noah, did you eat breakfast this morning? Noah, are you okay? But understand with me, Noah had a word from the Lord, and all he had to go on was what God said. That, that's faith. Are you with me? Now, now, I'm saying that to say this. When God calls you to do something, when God calls you to realize a vision, when God calls you to follow him, don't expect the people you're leading to understand what God's trying to do through you in the earth realm. Are you hearing me? It takes a level of faith for us to believe God and to know who God is. Imagine Abraham. Imagine Abraham. Abraham. God says to Abraham, leave your home and go to a place that I'm going to show you. And Abraham goes to his, farm, his family. Mom, dad, I'm leaving. Where are you going, Abraham? I don't know. You get the picture. You get the picture, right? Faith is about accomplishing the unseen for God to bring in into the earth realm a reality that already exists in heaven. Oh my gosh, I hope you heard that. Faith is trusting God and allowing God to work through you to bring a reality that does not exist in the earth because God wants the earth to look like heaven. Does that make sense? 
So Abraham has to step out. Sarah, 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 Sarah really treats me out. Here's this old sister. She wasn't young, y'all. Because when the angel showed up and said, you about to get pregnant, she looked at him, I don't know which heaven you came from. <laughs> but this stuff don't work no more. And she fell out laughing, right? <laughs> but, but, but listen, listen I, I want you to hear me say this. When God says he's going to do something, he has his goal, he has his motive, he has what he's trying to do in the earth realm, and it takes us having a high level of trust in him even though we don't know how we're going to do what he said he wants done. So here's faith. It's a one-day-at-a-time thing, working with God, walking with God, and trusting God. Faith is one day at a time because you can't see tomorrow. You remember, you remember a couple of weeks ago when we started the year, uh, we were talking about the story of Joshua. And the whole premise for Joshua was consecrate yourself because I'm about to do, listen to the word, a new thing because you've never been this way before. Right? And, 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 and a lot of us, a lot of us, this is free, a lot of us are like the Egyptians when God released them from Egypt after 400 years because Moses and Joshua did not have a map on how to get to Canaan. Here's what they said. We need to go back. And if you don't have faith, it'll cause you to want to turn back and miss the blessing. Uh, yeah, yeah, it will. So it is necessary, faith is necessary to realize a God-given vision. Number one, say it takes faith. Come on, say it again. Say it takes faith. I'm going to move quick because I'm not going to be before you long this morning. The second thing I want you to understand is, hear me out, earthly accomplishments, earthly accomplishments, earthly accomplishments, though necessary, is not the ultimate goal of a God-sized vision. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Earthly accomplishments, though necessary, is not the ultimate goal of a God-sized vision. Okay? Abraham... Leave your home, go to a place that I'm going to show you. The goal is still not the earth. Noah, build an ark because I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood. The goal is still not the earth. Sarah, I'm going to impregnate you with a child. The goal was still not the child. I wish I had somebody in here. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, after it talks about these five individuals, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Let me read it one more time and explain it. The reason these people were able to commit the reason they were able to sell out to God, it says they died not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in the earth. Very, very important principle because now notice how I, I made the statement. Earthly accomplishments, though necessary, it is not the ultimate goal of a God-sized vision. Let, let, me, let me stretch this out a little bit. 
The reason Abraham, the reason Enoch, the reason Abel, the reason Noah, the reason Sarah was able to commit and step out on faith is because the text says they were resident aliens. Let me explain. They understood that God had called them for kingdom purposes, not individual gain. So they were ready to risk everything for the kingdom of God without gaining anything personally. Come on, does this make sense? They knew, they knew, they knew that God one day was going to save the earth, that one day he was going to send his son to redeem man. They knew that one day that a savior, a messiah, was going to enter the earth realm to redeem man from their sins. So here's what they were willing to do. Sacrifice everything for the sake of the kingdom so the messiah could come. Now, that's important. That's important because here's what people will do. They will preach about Abraham's riches. They'll preach about his blessings. They'll preach about all the earthly things. But we miss the truth that the reason they gave it up was to avail themselves for the Messiah to come through them. And listen to what verse 13 says. They never saw the entrance of the Messiah, but they never gave up. Oh, my gosh. They never saw him, but they never gave up, okay? Now, people, let me say this to you. This thing that I'm called to, this thing that you are called to, this, 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 this ministry, this vision that God has given us, it's not about me. It's not about you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. It's about the people that's going to come after you that need to have a relationship with God. Come on. It's about setting a leg and establishing something for generations to come that, such that as long as the Lord tarries, people have access and a right to him because of the paths that you've paved. Let, let me help you all with this. Let me help you. The reason Dr. King could stand in the midst of opposition is not because he expected to fully live through all the freedom but he was laying a foundation for you and I to enjoy the benefits of what God was doing through him back then. Oh, come on, talk to me this morning. Does this make sense? So, so, so here, here's the thing. When it comes to faith and when it comes to vision, it is never about individual gain, but it's about what? Kingdom. I, I'm a sports fan, and I have yet to see a football player win the Super Bowl and his team lose. You get it? If he wins, the team must win. If he loses, the team loses. A lot of us approach ministry with an individual mindset. And we don't think team. Are you with me? Come on, if you're in the corporate world, the same thing, same thing exists, right? It's not about individual wins. It's about organizational win. Lock into this. If God, if God could give up himself, ah, y'all not getting this, for the sake of the world. And, and what I like about him giving up himself is he'd already won all by himself, if you know anything about God. Come on. But, but if he could so love the world that he gave himself so that you and I can be benefactors. 
when he calls us to vision and we hear what God is saying, it's not about earthly accomplishments, though necessary, but it's not the ultimate goal. And let me tell you what I mean by the earthly accomplishments. You may look at the vision of this ministry and you see land and you see buildings and you see facilities and you see all that stuff. That stuff is necessary, but it's not the goal. Oh, I wish I had somebody in here. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you're looking at the necessary and saying we're not there yet, you don't understand what the big vision is. It's about laying a foundation for others to come to have access to God so that they can know God by, him, by themselves. So here's what this says. Sometimes when it comes to vision, you lay the foundation on which others will build on later on. So let me say it this way. If you can realize your vision during your lifetime, it's too small and it's probably not from God. Does it make sense? I mean, when I think about it, if I were these, these five guys, it wasn't until the New Testament Jesus came, they had already died and gone on. But they kept pressing. They kept pressing. They kept pressing. They kept pressing. Does that make sense? It takes faith, number one, to realize the vision. Number two, the earthly accomplishment, though necessary, is not the ultimate goal. And number three, here's the thing I want to say to you. Realizing a God-sized vision, it calls for occasional changes with the method, not the message. Let me, let me read. Let me read. Let me read. Then I'll, I'll talk about this. Then, then, then I'm almost there. Look at verse. Look at verse 14. The people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had seen, if they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it was, as it is, they desire a what? Better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let me give you a little bit of literary context. A little bit of literary context. Okay. Then I want to point some things out to you. In Egypt, in Egypt, in Egypt. For 400 years, all they did was made bricks out of straw. Y'all with me? 400 years, made bricks out of straw. 400 years. They went home, went to work, made bricks out of straw for 400 years. And in all of those 400 years, making, doing the same thing over and over and over was not enough to deliver them from Egypt. Right? It calls for God to do something different to get them to leave where they were to end up where God was trying to take them, okay? Now, I'm saying that to say a couple of quotes that I want y'all that you've heard about that you know about. So insanity then is kind of this definition, right? Doing the same thing repeatedly. Right? Einstein attributes that, okay? So, so, so uh, let me, let, let me kind of, um, let me flesh this out real quick and then I'll go. But let me just give you this one and then we'll talk about this. Here's what Henry Blackaby says. You cannot stay where you are and go with God. You cannot continue doing things the way, your way, and accomplish God's purposes. In what? His way. For you to do the will of God, you must adjust your life to him, his purposes, and his what? Ways. A couple of illustrations, then I'm going to move on because I think this point is going to make sense. Now, everybody say this. Say, change is difficult. I mean, come on, y'all. Make me, come on, say, change is difficult. I'm standing before you saying change 
is difficult. We like normality. We like things to look a certain way. Change is difficult. The problem is when you're walking with God, you don't know what's behind the corner. And when you get there, you'll be like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. And God said, that's how I do it. I need you to adjust to me every time you see me. Okay? Now, notice, can you go back to the, let me put the big, this, this, this movement up here real quick. Um, the method changes. The method, um, but the message remains the same. Make sense? You guys don't believe me. I can guarantee you nobody in here drove up in a horse with a carriage on the back. Some of y'all drive new buggies, new cars, whatever. The principle is this. Transportation is constant, but the method, yeah, you got it, okay? Illustration, and I'm almost there. Football teams do this. If they start the season zero and five, they don't wait till next season to change. Matter of fact, matter of fact, if you're a Bronco fan, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just wanted to wake y'all up. I just want to wake y'all up. It's all yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to wake y'all. Oh yeah, you understand change. <laughs> matter of fact. You're looking to hire an executive pastor right now, <laughs> you know what I mean, because you get change. And, and, and the only reason you need change is because you're not winning. Make sense? And so you don't change to keep losing. You change to do what? Yeah, you get it, you get it, you get it, you get it. We see the same thing in, 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 in basketball teams. We see the same thing in corporation in the corporate world, right? The corporate's bottom line is the dollar and what it looks like. So here's what it looks like. If the business is not being profitable, they'll call you in the office and say, we brought in a new management or we need to, what's the word, surplus people or lay people off. They're changing all the time to accomplish the goal. What I don't understand is why when it comes to the things of God, we don't expect the same thing. You know why? The reason we don't expect the same thing, because we don't think in organizational win, we're thinking individual benefit. Can we be honest this morning? And the reason I abort, because it doesn't benefit me, forget the organization. Forget the kingdom. Forget the vision. I'm not benefiting. It's never about us. This is harsh to say. I'm guaranteeing you if I die tomorrow, this church is going to live on. Come on, y'all. Fifty years later, Dr. King was shot. We're still reaping the benefits because it was about the individual it was about a bigger vision. Does this make sense? Come on, are you hearing me, guys? So, so, so don't ever put yourself as a gate to the realization of God's vision. The reason it's called a God-sized vision is because God is in control. And it takes faith because sometimes he'll cause you to do things. He'll cause you to change. He'll cause you to shift. He'll cause you to adjust. And we can't get frustrated in the process. We have to keep pressing on because it's about God. It's about God. 
It's about God. Come on. It's about God. It's about God. I, I think it was, was it last year that the Chicago Cubs finally won? Um, what's it? What did they win in baseball? Was it a pennant? World Series. After, oh, I'm sorry, Robert. I didn't mean to harp on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After how many years, right? But lock into this. They changed methods a lot. But the message remained the same. It was about the world pennant. If you've been a member of Restoration Christian Fellowship for the 19 years of the, the history of this church, the vision has always been consistent. But as culture change, as times change, as systems and processes change, methods change to realize the vision. Does that make sense, guys? You guys okay with me on that, right? I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I want to kind of share this last thing, and then we're going to pause for a little while. So aligning with God in realizing his vision guarantees results regardless of present circumstances. Let me flesh this out. Then we're going to look, look at verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a what? Now, here's what I want you all to understand. Abel, Enoch, Abraham, Noah, Sarah, who died before the vision was realized, but verse 16 says, God still blessed them. And he's not ashamed to be called their God because they remained true to the cause. Even in death, they were laying a foundation. People, I'm comfortable saying to you, here's how Hebrews 12 and 1 says it. Seeing we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witness. Let us lay aside what? Every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us and do what? Run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hear me say this. If God has given you a vision, what Hebrews 12 says, when you go from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you see people that stay committed and focused to the cause because it was not about them. It was about what God wanted done. And in the end, God proved himself faithful regardless of the current circumstance, meaning I don't see it. I don't see this. I don't see result. It's not about what you see because if you can see it, it doesn't require faith. It's the unseen that we're stepping into. And that's where God lives. Nobody in here knows what it looks like when all of Aurora comes to Christ. I wish I had somebody. When all of Colorado come to Christ, when all of the world, nobody knows what it looks like. But it doesn't mean that we need to quit along the way. We keep pressing, we keep pressing, we keep going on. I, I'm motivated by this young man I'm about to show you on the screen. Because I thank God that when he was sitting at his table in Memphis and the phone rang. And when he picked up the phone, somebody said to him, you have three days to leave the city or else I'm going to blow your house up. I thank God that he put the phone down and the threat did not deter him from the vision that God had given him. Hear me out, church. Don't let no threat 
deter you from the vision that God has given you. Press on, press on, press on. Pay attention to the screen. Pay attention to the screen. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Bless you, Lord. Come on, team. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we can stay focused on the promise. Amen? Come on, put your hands together for God as we prepare to worship. Amen. Lord, you're a wonderful God. Lord, you're an awesome God. Hearing your voice could be challenging at times. But our goal, our call is to stay focused on you, on your kingdom, on what you want done. So this morning, God, as this ministry takes steps of faith and as our board has agreed to staff up for vision, God, and we're stepping into places that we've never stepped before. We've seen the glory of the coming of the Lord, God, and we've been to the mountain. So fear is not an issue. I am praying, God, that resistance can be lowered, Lord, because we realize that it's a step of faith. Trusting God for the unknown. So, God, this morning the prayer is this. Prove yourself faithful. Prove yourself true. Prove yourself holy, God. And if there be one here today that maybe did not know who you are and what you've done, I'm praying, God, that they realize that you gave your son, God, to save and to bring them to a relationship with you. So, God, draw, God, should there be one, Lord. And as we go to the table, God, we realize that Abel started this off, and Enoch continued it, and Abraham, and Noah, and Sarah, God, and they all did this for what happened on Calvary. So we have access to you. So as we come to the table this morning, God, we give ourselves to you, that you be God in our midst, that you be glorified, that we celebrate you, Lord, that everything about you be praised, and that if there's one here that don't know you, draw them, God. But we encourage you, we bless you, we give you praise because it's all about you. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen.